Wow, that was a great story. Uh, I think all of us can understand and appreciate just the, uh, the dangers of speeding, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, there's probably, I don't know if this is true of everyone in the room, but um, there's probably a lot of people here in the room who've had run-ins with the law, who've uh, sped and gone faster than they should have. Um, I know it's only happened to me a few times, you know. <laughs> Joking? Yeah, no, for real. It actually has happened a few times, uh, but really the best way to learn the lesson is to understand that there is consequences, there are consequences for actions, and that, but at the end of it, I love the, what Abdulia said, is that God just gave her all of the money she needed. Like, the, there was so much grace, even though she was still feeling the consequences of it, because those consequences caused her to change the way that she was living. It changed her to, to see things a little bit differently than the way that she was seeing them. So I, I absolutely love that story. I think it's so relevant and helpful for all of us. Um, this morning, we are going to be talking about slowing down. Uh, very appropriate, uh, what that testimony was. But the truth is, this morning, I do not want this to be a self-help seminar. That is not the purpose for why we're here today. The purpose that we're here today is to hear from God. Ultimately, we need to hear from Him. If all you do is hear from me this morning, this is a colossal waste of time. I'll just be completely honest because I have nothing to give you except for what God has given. So uh, as we begin this morning, let's just pray. Let's, let's ask God to speak to us this morning. And maybe you've never done something like this, but I'm just going to ask Silently in your heart, say something like this, God, you've got my attention. Speak to me, and I will respond. God, I thank you so much for uh, just this opportunity, God, to bring your word and to share what's on your heart. God, I pray right now that your words would go forth, they would accomplish the purpose for which you sent it, um, and God, that we would receive it, but not just say, oh, that was a great message, or that was awesome, and then have it not impact us in some way. God, we pray right now that you would change our hearts. You would do something powerful in us this morning, God, because we need you. We need you desperately. Thank you. In your name, amen. Is that awkward? (laughs) Do you realize, okay, so that was eight seconds. That was eight seconds. That is the average attention span in the United States today. You know, I'm sure when you got to four seconds, you're like, oh, this is so awkward and uncomfortable, right? I told uh, Brandon earlier, hey, to start, I'm going to do something really awkward. And he looked at me and he's like, oh my, you could see the anxiousness just (laughs) building up. Like, dude, are we going to trade spaces with people? Are we going to play Twister? You know, he said that, actually. Um, but it was really funny because when there's awkward moments or spans of time that we, we just aren't expecting, it does something in us. It builds anxiousness. And the truth is, we live in a culture that is absolutely obsessed with speed, with getting things done fast, as fast as we possibly can. We live in a world right now where we have the internet at our fingertips. Literally, it's in my pocket right now. I have, I have the internet in my pocket, right? How cool is that? So the world is getting smaller, but it's getting more complex, and it's also getting way faster. Um, I remember uh, back in the 90s, we used to have dial-up internet. Anyone remember dial-up internet? Yeah, you get the, 
the ear, ear, you know, the weird noise. And then it connects, and then you sit there, and you wait like 10 minutes while it connects to the internet, and then you pull up an internet page, and it takes like 10 minutes. It's like, it's like loading forever, right? And people were like, this is awesome. It's so fast. Like, we've never had access to all this information. And now we get on our cell phones, and we're like, where's the internet? It's not coming up. I can't connect to my cell phone provider. I'm not on the internet. I, we wait two seconds, and we flip out, <laughs> right? But the attention spans that we have nowadays is nothing compared to what it was. In fact, in 2000, the attention span, the average attention span was 12 seconds. And now, just last year, they did another study, and it's down to eight seconds. It's kind of sad. We live in a fast-paced world. Everything around us bombards us by saying, you need to go fast. And really, what we need to do is to understand that that has effects and consequences on every single one of us. So let's look at some of the effects of a hurried lifestyle. Number one, I feel more stress. Anyone in here going to have finals here coming up in the next two weeks? Anyone not stressed out about those finals? Like two people, great. Yeah, Matt, awesome. (laughs) Matt's not in college, in case you're wondering, so he's not stressed out about finals. No, like we live in a fast-paced lifestyle. There's things that are coming up for everybody probably in this room. A lot of things happening in our lives. There's stress. John and Brogan are getting married on Friday. Yes. I would be probably remiss to ask them if they feel stress right now. Probably a smidge, right? A little bit. Like there's a lot to do in the next five days. A lot of things happening. So let's see what Ecclesiastes 5.3 says. By the way, just a... A disclaimer, I am probably going to be going through a lot of different scriptures this morning. Uh, They'll be up on the screen. What I'd highly recommend doing, just jotting those down, the references, and then going back throughout the week to to look through them, to pray over them, just to reflect upon them, because honestly, that's uh, something that God wants to do and speak to you throughout the week as well. Uh, We also have a weekly reading too, so if you want to be a part of what we're doing, the reading uh, collectively as a church, uh, you can follow along in that as well. So Ecclesiastes 5.3 says this, Too much activity gives you restless dreams. Do you know what restless dreams means? It means I'm not sleeping. I'm walking around and I'm just thinking about all of the stuff I have to do. You know, a lot of times uh, I'll get to my day off and I'll sit there and say, oh my gosh, I have so much stuff to do this week, you know. I think probably everybody in the room has had this experience. You think about the following week, everything that's in front of you, all the stuff you have to get done. But that's what happens is that when we have such an abundance of activity, it's giving us restless dreams. We're focusing and turning our attention to that, and that's what's causing us stress. It gives us so much stress in our lives. Um, You guys probably remember the Energizer Bunny commercials. I don't even know if they run those anymore, but back in the 90s, they do. Javon, yeah, they do. So, you know, you got the Energizer Bunny. It's the, the slogan was, you just keep going and going and going and going. I don't know if any of you know this, but there's no infinite battery. It, batteries are not infinite. You either have to recharge them or they die, right? So, that's just a fact. We can't keep going and going and going and going. We either need to recharge or we'll die. There you go. Thank you. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah. Second thing that we experience, the second effect is we lose our joy. 
We lose our joy. Uh, I said this a few weeks ago, but worry is worshiping the problem. Worry is worshiping the problem. When you're worrying, you can't be very joyful, right? Again, it goes back to exactly what we just talked about. I'm thinking through. I'm reflecting, oh my gosh, I have all these things to do. It's hard to have joy, to carry yourself in joy. Let's see what Job says. Job 9.25 says this, My life passes away more swiftly than a runner. It flees away without a glimpse of happiness. That's like pretty sad, honestly. (laughs) When you think about it, how about this? Check this out. I was doing some research this week on uh, just average lifespans and how much time we actually spend doing certain activities, okay, throughout our lives. So uh, I, this is not on the screen, so you're going to have to pay attention. The, the average lifespan is 78.6 years, okay? That was in 2014. It might be better right now, but we're just going to go with 78.6 years. That's the average lifespan. Of those 78.6 years, you spend 25 years sleeping, Right? Eight hours, seven to eight hours a night, that's 25 years of 78.6. Make sense? All right. How much time do we spend working? 10.3 years of our lives, actual span of life. How about watching TV? Oh, man, here we go. 9.1 years watching TV. Do you know how much is commercials? (laughs) Two years. Two years is commercials. It's pretty sad, right? Uh, this is a little side fact, uh, NFL fans in here, NFL programming, generally the games will go for three hours, like the actual programming is three hours. Do you know how much game time there actually is in that three hours? 11 minutes of three hours is game time, actual plays. Cleaning. If you're a mom, you probably think this is a low number, but it's 1.1 years. Yeah, it's low, right? Quinita says. Cooking, 2.5 years. Driving, 4.3 years. Going to the bathroom, how about this one? 1.5 years. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, part of the same study actually said men spend more time in the bathroom than women do. Yeah? That's pretty unbelievable. Here is one that absolutely... Uh, just, I felt kind of depressed after seeing this. But I think it can be such a real uh, just eye-opener for all of us in here. 70% of our waking hours are spent on electronic media. So of the 25 years that we're not sleeping, or the, I should say the difference between whatever 78.6 and 25 is, that span of time, 70% of it is spent on multimedia whether it's DVD, Blu-ray, game consoles, time-shifted TV, internet, smartphone, radio, live TV, all of that stuff. We are bombarded with media for 70% of our life. How crazy is that? So we wonder why we have such a short attention span. It's because of all of that. Actually, when you break it down, um, the difference between... All of the the time that I told you, all of those activities, and sleeping, and so how much is remaining? You're probably like, how much is left? It's 21.3 years of your life is actually left for everything else. Short. Very short. You have to use it wisely. 
So it's easy to really lose your joy when you're doing so much stuff, right? The third thing, the third effect of a hurried lifestyle is I'm less productive. This is probably one of the biggest fallacies I've heard in so long. Oh yeah, I'm just like, I, love, I, I thrive on stress. Yeah, it's awesome. Love it. I do great. You know, that's such a lie. Actually, check this out. Uh, here's a little job interview factoid. If Those of you who are going and getting jobs here soon, job interview factoid. If a hiring manager says to you, how good are you at multitasking? That's a trick question. Because the reality is, only 2% of people in the world can multitask. What happens is people switch task. They do one thing, they jump to another thing, they jump to another thing, and they just shred all productivity that you can have. There's no productivity when you do that. Check this out. Uh, there's the director, David Strayer, the director of Applied Cognition uh, Lab at the University of Utah, said this. 98% of people can't multitask. They don't do either task well. So we have to think about this. Productivity isn't just the work that you get done. It's the work you get done minus the time and energy you spend to clean up after your mistakes. Right? You fly through stuff, you hurry through stuff, naturally you will make mistakes. So productivity is time that you spend doing something minus the time that you have to go back and fix mistakes. Uh, take a look at this graph. So here is uh, productivity. So the bottom is zero, top is 100, it's the most productive. That's a baseline, okay? Right at the center, so right where that dotted line crosses, this is like the, so this way right here measures hours spent working per week. So as I get to about the 40-hour mark, it's not labeled on the bottom, but that's the 40-hour mark, 40-hour work week, you have, you know, baseline productivity. You start really strong early week, yeah, I get a lot of stuff done, you work forward. When you hit a certain point of working, you actually start losing productivity, now, what's interesting is people actually don't believe that. <laughs> Up top is the perceived productivity. So people still think, yeah, I'm being so productive. I'm being so productive. But in, in fact, you're not. It's actually worse. You have to go back and spend time correcting mistakes. And so many of us actually have this mentality towards our work. But the reality is we can actually accomplish more when we're spending less time than if we're spending more time. It's kind of counterintuitive. Uh, let's look at Proverbs 21.5. It says this, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. The fourth effect of a hurried lifestyle is this, I can't hear God. I can't hear God. Psalm 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. He didn't say, Be moving really slowly. Right? He said, Be still. Stop moving. Open your ears. Listen. Know who I am. I'm God. I got it. Uh, my wife's sister, it's kind of a, a crazy story, but uh, about three weeks ago, she gave her life to Christ for, you know, she grew up in a Christian home, 
Um, it's a long story. I'm not going to get into the whole detail of it. Uh, but she was, uh, she gave her life to Christ three weeks ago, which is amazing. Because uh, if you looked at her and her life, you're like, ah, you? Really? Like, how is that even possible? I think many of us probably have people that we know who are like that. Like, the last person we'd expect to accept Christ or come to become a Christian is like, wow, that person. But she did. And the transformation of her life is incredible just over these last three weeks. I mean, uh, she actually felt so convicted uh, to come and share her story with her family. She lives in Washington, D.C. She drove all the way to Wichita to spend one day to share her story of everything that happened, the transformation that happened in her life, and then she drove back. And uh, what was really interesting is uh, she's kind of like new in this process of like learning what it's like to hear God and so she's still trying to figure out, okay, like, is that God? Is that not God? I, I'm not really sure. Uh, on her way back, she was in the hills of West Virginia. I don't know if anyone's driven through West Virginia, but it's, like, there's, it's crazy. It's crazy hills. She has a brand new car, and on the highway at about 3 or 4 in the morning, her car just slows down to 30 miles an hour. And she was going 70. And the thing is, her foot was all the way down on the accelerator, and it's only going 30 miles an hour. And she's freaking out. What is going on? God, what's going on? I'm freaking out. I don't know what's going on. Three in the morning, of course. I mean, anybody would be exhausted at that point, trying to figure out what is, what's the story. It turns out, so she, she's like, okay, like, God, are you trying to show me something? Are you trying to tell me something? And she heard very clearly, I'm doing this to protect you. I'm doing this to protect you. I'm slowing you down to protect you. And so she's like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll trust, I'll believe, I'll listen. Okay, and the next exit she took, her accelerator worked perfectly fine. No problems. No problems with her car at all. But what was required was that she had to slow down to hear it. Because if she wasn't, she wouldn't have heard. So oftentimes that's what happens is we can't hear God when we're flying through life because we're so focused on the thing right in front of us. And we miss all the things that God has for us at that time. All right, so let's look at some strategies for slowing our pace. Number one, we need to learn contentment. Ugh, right? (laughs) Be content. No, thank you. Learn contentment. Slowing down begins with your motives and your values. What What you're motivated by, what your values are, that ultimately is what determines you slowing down. Uh, Take a look at Philippians 4.11. The Apostle Paul is saying this, Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. He learned how to be content. Yeah? I don't think anyone here in the room is like, yeah, I'm not selfish at all, you know. I've never been selfish in my life. <laughs> have you met a two-year-old? Yeah, I'm sure they're selfish. They're not selfish at all, right? All of us naturally have this tinge toward being selfish, It's just built into who we are, but really understanding that God wants to give us contentment and that we need to learn it. It's so important. We need to learn what contentment looks like. Paul, uh, the same author, goes in Timothy and says this, Timothy 6, 6 6-8, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. True godliness with contentment. Godliness is achieved with contentment. 
That's really what he's saying right here. You can't have godliness apart from contentment. They're connected. They're tied together. We need to learn what it is to be content. The second thing, listen before speaking. Oh, man. How many of you know somebody who just waits to talk? If you don't, you're like, I don't know. It's you. You're that person. You just wait. Not listening. I'm not really paying attention. It's like, I got something to say. I'm going to say this. I'm going to drive it right in. Right? We're not listening. We're just waiting to talk. So we need, to, we need to learn what it means to listen. James 1, 19 says this, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Notice how the quick to listen is the very first thing he says. Quick to listen. If I'm slow to listen, I mean, let's just let's play this out logically, okay? If I'm slow to listen then I'm quick to speak and I'm quick to get angry. Anyone ever experienced that? Yeah. yeah, totally. I'm with you. Take a look at Proverbs 29, verse 20. It says this, There is more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. I mean, I love Solomon because he just is like, yeah, I'm not going to be cordial about this at all. Some of you are probably that. Like, you know, there's more hope for a fool than for somebody who thinks or speaks without thinking. That is a little convicting. The third thing that we need to do is we need to take a Sabbath. Oh, man. Take a day off. Here it is. Here is something that's an inescapable truth. Um, Here at Bluemont, we believe implicitly. The Bible is God's spoken word, that it's true, that all of it is true, that it's not just spiritual truth, but it's practical, real, lifestyle-changing truths as well. And so early on in the book of Exodus, you see God laying out commandments that He wants people to live by. And He's not saying that because you need to do all of these things. He's doing it to ultimately give them the greatest degree of freedom they've ever experienced. Apart from doing all of those things, there is no freedom. So, this has some practical, practical stuff. Ways in which we can live that are so powerful. So let's take a look. Exodus uh, 20, 9-10 says this, You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest, dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do work. Now, the tendency for us is to go through and say, I am not doing any work. I am, I am stuck. I am going to be legalistic about this. I am not doing anything. Don't talk to me. No? Don't. I'm not going outside. No, I can't leave my house. Don't. I haven't had my coffee. Don't talk to me. That is not the purpose of this. The purpose is ultimately to find rest. To find rest. So here are some of the things that you can do on your Sabbath. You rest. Take a load off. Just chill out. Calm down. You recharge, right? You need fuel for the week. You've got to recharge, and you need to refocus. That's men- mentally, emotionally. And truthfully, on a, I've, I've found the Sabbath is actually the best time that I can get into God's presence because all of those other distractions that we talked about earlier are gone. I can just, okay, 
relax and breathe. It's great. So this is not only just something that uh, God has commanded us to to do, but it's something that's very practical and we need to actually uh, execute. So the next thing, pray before deciding. I had a teacher, uh, or she wasn't a teacher, she was our guidance counselor in high school, uh, Mrs. Murphy. Uh, It was kind of awkward the way she did it, but I understand the principle behind it. Anytime someone, a student or an administrator, would come into her office and ask her a question, like needing a decision, hey, I need you, hey, can I do this? Can I swap this class for this class? She would be like, one moment, turn around and, and pray, and pretend to pray. Well, I don't know if she prayed or not. If she actually did or not, at least it was like she physically showed that she was praying. She would pray, right? For every decision, every single decision. And for, you know, students, you're like, can you just say yes or no? Like, it's not that complicated. Can I just switch from this section to this section? Really? Like, do you need to pray about this? But I think I understand the principle behind it was that she wanted to, to ultimately hear from God on the issue. She wanted to pray and understand, okay, God, like, what should I do here? And to have an attitude and a heart towards, God, I need, to, I need, I need you. I can't do this without you. I need you. I just thought it was really funny because um, that was kind of like the joke running around our high school. But now looking back, it's like, that was actually pretty wise. Um, you know you do that. When you're older, you're like, man, you're younger, you think, oh my gosh, people, those old people, they have no idea what they're doing. They're just crazy people. And then you get older and you're like, oh yeah, that's, that makes sense. There you go. All right. And aside, Proverbs 19.2 says this, Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. When I pray before making a decision, I'm gathering knowledge from God. By the way, I don't know if you know this, God has infinite knowledge. So, it makes sense. All right. Um, Have you ever had to go back and do, redo work because you did a really bad job? I'm looking at my dad because... um, I have a few times, <laughs> a lot actually. Uh, I used to, when I was in high school, I used to work for him and do all the lawn maintenance for all of his uh, units. He's a self-employed business owner in uh, New York, and uh, actually, the business that he has is underground irrigation systems. So, in other words, you have to have pretty much an immaculate property to demonstrate, hey, I'm a good sprinkler guy, right? That makes sense. So me being, you know, the smartest 15-year-old in the world, decided I think I can get this job done by shaving, uh, just shaving corners off, right? Oh, like, he'll, he'll never notice that, right? I could, I could just do this, and, may, you know, he's not going to come back to this side of the building. He's never going to notice it, right? <laughs> I, you know, you play those tricks in your mind, and then, you know, he comes in, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, I hope he doesn't see it. This is going to be really awkward if he finds it. Sure enough, he checked my work every time, and I had to go back and do a lot of work. So uh, it just making, you know, making shortcuts and doing that kind of stuff certainly does not pay off. Uh, let's take a look at Proverbs 20, 25. Don't trap yourself by making rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. Making a rash promise to God and later counting the cost. Uh, here's a little nugget of truth. It's always easier to get into something than it is to get out of something. Let me uh, prove that to you. Who here uh, has never gotten into debt in their life? 
two, like two or three people, okay? <laughs> two or three people. Everybody else in the room probably has. Let me just tell you, it's a lot easier to get into debt than it is to get out of it. How about this? It's a lot easier to get into trouble than it is to get out of it. Right? Abdulia, is that true? Yeah, that's totally true. It's a lot easier to get out of, or into debt, or out into trouble as it is to get out. Relationships? I think that's true for all of us. I think the truth is that sometimes up front we need to be completely transparent and say no to certain opportunities. So here are some questions to consider when you're facing an opportunity. Number one, is it worth it? Is this opportunity worth it? Second, what am I going to give up? If I'm adding something, something else is going to have to be sacrificed. That's a fact. And then lastly, we need to just learn to say no. Now naturally, this is one of those things that's most challenging, I think, personally for me. Because naturally, I'm a yes man. You know, here's an idea I'm thinking about. What do you think? Yeah, let's do that. Let's go after it. All in, right? And then when crunch time comes, that was such a stupid decision, right? I am so stressed out right now. I have no time to actually be able to execute this well. So the truth is, up front, we need to be wise. We need to pray. We need to get before God and discern what should I say no to? Should I say yes to this? Should I say no to it? And then lastly, the last thing we need is we need to trust God's timing. The last strategy is trust God's timing. If discontentment is generally one cause to hurry, then impatience is another. I'm impatient. I want something now. I'm going to go get it. A lot of times that doesn't work out for us. Really what that's saying is, God, I don't trust you. I don't believe you have my best interest at mind or at heart. I want to do things my own way. God, you don't have what's best in mind for me when I'm saying I'm trusting in my timing as opposed to God's timing. That's what we're doing. We're believing all of those things. And lastly, let's take a look at Ecclesiastes 3.11. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He's planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. You talk about what Abdulia experienced. In the moment, she's like, I don't trust your timing, God. I want to get home fast. I don't have enough time. She paid the consequences for it. And ultimately, had to, to learn the hard way what it means to trust God's timing. Okay, slow down. God, you have my best interest at heart. I believe that. Let's do this. And as a result, something amazing happened. And that's true, I think, for every single one of us in this room, that ultimately we need to hear from God, we need to trust in his timing, and that is probably one of the hardest things that we can do, especially when it comes to slowing down. Because we want things so quickly and so fast. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much just for how you spoke to us this morning. God, I pray that all of these strategies, God, that we would learn contentment. We would listen before speaking, God. We would, we would take a Sabbath. We'd learn what it means to rest on the inside. God, we'd pray before deciding 
important things. God, and ultimately that we would trust in You. God, I pray that as we go about our week this week, for students as we're getting closer to the end of the semester, for many of us as we enter maybe a new season, whether it's with business ventures or work, God, I pray that You would just open up our hearts to slow down, to reflect on who You are, God, and ultimately draw closer to You. I thank You for everything that You've done. We pray this in your name. Amen.